What happens when a preacher and a science teacher discuss today's world from a biblical perspective? You're about to find out. This is Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. Well, welcome back to whatever this is called, because we haven't decided yet. He's Carrie, and I'm Christoph, and uh, and we're going to chat. And so, uh, you know, we, we did kind of a cursory overview uh, a week ago about the things we're going to discuss, and, and we got into a couple different thoughts, and, and one of them, you know, we spent some time on, uh, you know, the idea of Darwinian theory and evolution and... and um, and how that, you know, what that looks like in terms of curriculum for you as a science teacher. Uh, obviously, with your continued education, you're still a, a student of the sciences. Um, and so, you know, as we discussed that, we thought, you know, how does that carry into the next topic? So you had some thought, thoughts on that, and, and so maybe we should just start there. Okay. Well, you know, I was, as I was telling you, I was, I was praying a couple mornings ago. And you know how we, the Lord's Prayer is, is like the, um, it's a skeletal structure for us, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's not all meat in there. It's kind of like the bones, the structure. Right. And we take it and we branch out on it. We add, not necessarily add to it, but we're going to expound upon it in our lives. And, and it starts out praising God first, but then it's saying that we should, um, uh, thy kingdom come. And I know some people think, well, that's when Jesus comes back again. Mm-hmm. And my belief is, is right now. Okay. I mean, Jesus said the kingdom is, is nigh unto thee. It's like, it's here. And... And so if we are to pray, thy kingdom come, that means, and thy will be done. Well, that's part of what God wants in our lives. God wants us to live the life that he's given to us, and that's by doing his will. Right. A lot, a lot of people don't, don't under, if I can explain this, is that if I want to show my wife love, it's just not affection. But it's listening to the, to her speak and then doing it. Right. Then she she says, "Man, he appreciates me. He's listening to me. That's showing love." Mm-hmm. God is is no different in this matter. Is that we show God love by being doers of His word, mm-hmm. by being faithful to Him. That says, "God, I love you, and that I believe in you. I believe in your way." Mm-hmm. And so when we pray, "Thy kingdom come." in our lives, we're praying that God's will is going to be done on this earth in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have to hope for it. I don't have to be looking around for it. I can say, Lord, right now, I, I need your kingdom here. Right. I, need you, I need your life here with me. And, and then Paul expounds upon that in Romans chapter 14, saying, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You know, because a lot of times we, we think this historically. Hey, you know, the kingdom, the king sets up there, and, you know, he's going to throw this big banquet, and all it is is meat and drink and partying and all this. 
But Paul's saying, no, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. Mm-hmm. It is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And for me as a Christian, I'm going, well, wait a minute now. You mean if I pray for the kingdom to come, I'm praying for God's to ha- for me to have peace. Right. It's praying for me to have joy, which are two of the big things that everyone craves for in life. Love is the biggest one. Yeah. But we all crave, we all want joy in our lives. We all want peace in our life because guess what? I mean, this world is throwing all sorts of nonsense at us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when we pray, we're praying for, hey, God, give me some joy today, Lord. Give me the peace today in the midst of all that's going on in this world, all the craziness that's going on. So what does that, what does that look like everyday life though? Right. So what does it look like? Um, cause we talk about it and sometimes it feels like it's just the platitudes, right? We, yeah. we can quote the scripture. Um, we can say what we think it means. We can dive into word studies and go to original language, but what is it, you know, when, when your feet hit the ground, when the rubber meets the road, what does that look like for you on a daily basis, right? You're praying for the Lord's kingdom to come, and then you're walking into a public school. And what, what does that look like for you? Well, what it's going to look like for me as a science teacher, I deal with kids that 90% of them, you know, they're taking my class because they have to. Right. Not because they want to. There's that small percentage that says, you know what, I, I, that is interesting. I really mm-hmm. want to sure. study that. So we're already starting behind the eight ball here on people that actually want to be in your class. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and so with that and in today's society with um, cell phones, right? I mean, I'm telling you what, our, our children or the children that I see have such an addiction to these cell phones. Mm-hmm. And some of them can't hardly go five minutes without checking it, being on it, doing stuff. And I'm constantly, hey, put that away. And right. so they'll, they'll put it in their pocket. They'll slide it under their legs, you know, there's, yeah. where they're sitting on it. And Okay. And, and so I, I continue teaching or continue doing whatever activity we're doing. And next thing I know, I turn, they're back out here on it right. again. And, and so... It, it definitely wears on your patience. And if I don't have joy in, I, I enjoy teaching. Yep. And so, and I have that joy, not because it's, it's just me because I like science. Mm-hmm. I have this joy because I know where my joy is coming from. It's from God. Mm-hmm. In the midst of all these kids, you know, watching their little TikTok videos or Instagram and Facebook and, oh, I, I got to play the latest NFL game on the phone or playing the little pool game. But to be able to have patience and still have joy in this, when they are flat out being disrespectful, being rude, just not paying any attention. And, and, and you find there's a lot of teachers that get totally frustrated. Mm-hmm. And you see they don't have any joy when they go to work because of that. Right. And I just know I've had other teachers tell me, you're happy every day you come to work, aren't you? Hmm. 
Yeah, I am. Right. Because I'm doing what I enjoy doing. Yeah. If we give the students an opportunity to learn, I, I've just, I guess maybe I've grown to accept, if they don't take advantage of it, okay. Hmm. I know what's going to happen. It's just like people that are out there trying to witness to somebody and that person just refuses to accept Jesus. Well, do you spend more and more time trying to win them to the Lord or do you just move on? It's a good it, question, right? Yeah. I mean, that. I think a lot of that has to do with how the Spirit's leading you, right? It, and I don't think any person in and of themselves is is the uh, the one doing the saving, right? Correct. So, you know, our responsibility is to plant that seed, yes. right, to live that life. You've got, you know, coworkers, peers mm-hmm. that look at you and say, well, you know, it, it sounds like when they say, you're happy every day when you come here. They're, they're noticing something different, right? So do you have the opportunity then to speak to them about kind of the root of that joy for you? Um, of course, it all depends upon the, uh, the, the situation, you know, whether um, we have to hurry up and get to class or if we have a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And if we do have the time, I'll say, hey, you know, I, just, I just thank God because I, I know it's him that gives me the joy. It's him that gives me the peace. Right. And... And from there, some of them just will just go, oh, okay, and might move on. Yeah. And others will, will stick around, well, you know, talk to me some more. Right. And, then, and so that kind of opens the door where I can. And, um, and, and so you just start to tell them about Jesus. I mean, uh, he, he saved me. I'm not caught up in, you know, yes, I want these kids to learn. But I understand not all, not all these kids want to be biologists. Right. I know they're in here just because they need to pass this and get their science credit and move on. Mm-hmm. Because they they want to be uh, lawyers or business professionals or, or, or other things, you know, mechanics and, uh, and stuff like that. So, number one, I'm not going to have this course keep them from reaching their goal. Mm-hmm. But yet, on the same token, I still want them to learn how to think. Sure. And learn some basic facts of life that's going on. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a common theme, you know, as we talk about uh, just learning in general. You know, you, I've had that conversation with both my son and my daughter. You know, why do I have to know this? Right? Because sometimes you come across that like in Algebra 2 or pre-calculus. <laughs> yeah. When am I ever going to use this? And so I have some real-life experience <laughs> with that, you know, particularly in construction, construction industry where, you know, hey, this is actually, like, if you know this, mm-hmm. this is something that, that can help you in in an industry, in a business. Yes. Uh, and But then sometimes there, uh, maybe even more often, there's the conversation. It's not necessarily about knowing how to do this thing, but it's about knowing how to learn, mm-hmm. right? How to yeah. investigate. How to dig deep, yeah. how to how to get into something where you're extraordinarily uncomfortable initially, and be okay with that feeling that you're uncomfortable. Be okay with that feeling that you don't know, uh, and having the confidence to say, if I if I spend the time, if I if I give the effort, um, if I push, I'm going to get to a point where I start to understand this. I start to know. I start to realize. Right, things will be illuminated for me, um, and I think that that's so important for us, even as we talk about our faith. Right. That, you know, there's aspects of faith, you know, if you're a new believer or if you've just kind of been comfortable in the routine of your Christian life where, you know, you're just checking off the boxes. Right. We we go to church when the doors are open. We do these good things and we meet these metrics. And but you still have that sense like, I think there's something more. Mm 
right? And that's why it's so important for us to be able to, to learn, to dig. And, and so we know that um, God's word is, is a living word yes. and that there's going to be application of it, even concepts that maybe you have uh, dug deeply into before. But as you go back through it, there's new application to your life. Uh, you perhaps you've matured some since you know the last time you've considered those things, and so you know just the idea that we can that we can always grow, that we can always learn, that the Lord can always show us something new. Um, I think that that you know that starts at a young age, mm-hmm. right? Kind of cultivating that that thought process that there is something more for me to know, uh, and I can know that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important aspect of our faith as we talk about faith and science. Um, and how those things should merge and not repel each other. Um, and, and we just live in a culture, we live in a society where often it seems like those things repel each other. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about, um, as we discussed some of the, the Darwinian theories, a, a kind of very cursory overview uh, last week, but I thought about all the developments in science since Charles Darwin first oh, yeah. wrote The Origin of Species. Um, and how much more we know now about those things that he first wrote. And right, I mean, that's just what science does. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this growing, uh, there's this learning process. And, and so now, you know, we can, I mean, we've sequenced DNA. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we, we not that we completely understand it all, but, but we, we understand DNA. We understand cellular structure at a level mm-hmm. that Charles Darwin never could have Correct. in the 1800s. And so... You know, it's a curious thought for me, and as a, as a man who studies and, and instructs science, I'm curious, you know, is that a conversation that's ever had? You know, here, here's a theory that's, you know, mid to late 1800s as, as it develops in terms of Darwinian evolution. Um, what we knew then, what we know now, you know, one of the things we said last week was it's an important differentiation to talk about Darwin's theory that was uh, it had to do with the origin or the evolution of the next species. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't deal with, uh, and it's often misconstrued to have said how life began, and that's not what he did. Right? He was talking about how how one form of life could evolve macro evolution into a different species. Um, so that's an important note to make, right? Because we've taken that theory and said, okay, if we if we backtrack from the development of different species. We, we might go to the origin of life. He said origin of species, but let's take it a step further back and say origin of life. And so we use that to support something that he didn't really intend, well, I don't want to say intend, but it doesn't seem like what his target was initially. But then from there, from 1879 or whenever it was written, uh, to now we have this just deluge of information, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the, and we see that in science and technology uh, throughout you know, these last hundred and, you know, 40 years since his book was written, that there is this explosion of knowledge. So what does that look like in the classroom? What does it look like in science to to say, okay, this is still a theory that we hold to pretty tightly in -hmm. in Darwinian evolution, but there's also science that maybe says something different. Mm -hmm. So, and as we think about the science that says something different, we also want to consider the root of scripture and all of that. Do you find that science, as it's developed, this explosion of information since Darwin's book was written, do you find that science supports what you believe, or do you find that that there's a fork in that road of faith and science and that they they grow ever further apart? Well, that's a good question, and it's something that uh, every 
Christian that is a teacher, and especially if they're in science, uh, has to ask themselves. Mm -hmm. But to understand, with a biblical worldview, what's your main textbook? Hmm. Are you going to look at it first from your biology book? Or are you going to look at it and come from it as the Bible? And right there, you're going to look at it through a humanistic view or a humanistic approach or a biblical approach. Mm -hmm. And I think right there gives you both sides of the coin of how they're, we're viewing these things that have happened. As a biblical worldview, I can, I can say without a doubt, there is no evidence. We have not come up with any evidence that says that the biblical view is wrong. In any way. Hmm. That's a pretty bold statement, right? It is. Yeah. We, we can't prove any of it that, that it's wrong. All right? Now, the humanist will, will turn around and says, well, but the Bible hasn't proven that any of this is wrong. Hmm. But the question is, is that the Bible's job? The Bible is there to instruct us what God did. Okay. And so, as a Christian... We take that by faith. Right. Because we say, hey, God, when I accept you as my Lord and Savior, when I kneel before you and say, you're my God, that means I'm going to take your word and all the things that you've said, your word, the Bible, as being true, and I have to believe it. Not that I have to, I want to. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm submitting my life to, is that these scriptures are true. So when I start viewing life through the lens of the Bible, that's how I'm, I'm viewing everything. The Bible's right, mm -hmm. and everything else has to prove that the Bible is wrong or, no, Bible's right. So do you ever come across something, you know, some scientific theory that would be, I mean, of course you do, but in specific terms, um, do you come across, whether it's in curriculum or, or prep for teaching or even in your own studies that says, you know, the, here's the scientific theory, and it has um, has very little to do with the truth in Scripture, or it's exactly opposite of what you would know or believe from Scripture. Well, so the basic modern American education system is is built from a humanistic viewpoint now, hmm. versus education. You know, in the 1700s, even 1800s, that was all that education did come from a biblical worldview, and that's what the children were taught. Pre-industrial revolution. Pre-industrial revolution, exactly. But now, there was, um, and I, I, you have to forgive me, I don't have all the facts 100%. There was a book written back in the 1920s, 1930s, talking about how bad all of the founding fathers were. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing was, is none, he had no footnotes. So no, there was no, no source material? There was, there's the nothing references. cited right. in, in the entire book that this guy wrote back then. Mm -hmm. But the amazing thing is, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, all the college professors would go back to what that guy said. Mm. And he was cited, but he himself had nothing to cite that he was right about anything. 
Oh, it's interesting. It, it, it really is. Because this is showing you, because you bring up the Industrial Revolution, that's when we were having a big changeover, where we believe science as far as, yes, God created the earth in seven days. Okay. Okay. The, so or literal, six days. Literal translation. It was literal, literal translation. interpretation so, of So every kid Genesis. coming through the education process prior to the Industrial Revolution, uh, they knew, yeah, six days, God rested the seventh day, God created everything. He shaped and molded everything. He made all the critters. He made all the plants. He made man in his image. And uh, he made Eve for man. And, you know, they walked out of that classroom with that knowledge hmm. that God was the creator. Right. But from the industrial age on, and... Uh, that's when education become, started becoming more industrialized. And what I mean by that is, prior to that, we had one-room schoolhouses. All, they dominated the landscape. Right. But when all the rural people started moving into the city, so the population increased, so now the school system changed, and it changed to resemble the industrialization of things. Right. And and with that came, oh well, you know, not everybody believes the Bible like this. So and then oh you know, we got Darwin here, so we gotta put some of Darwin in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, uh, you know, Newton, yeah, he's he's a character there. He he did some good things, but so they started turning to a humanistic approach then. Right. And then from that time on, that is what our education system has evolved into. It's interesting to think about, you know, pre-industrial revolution and education, whether it was one-room schoolhouse or, you know, many were you know, taught at home and then became apprentices to someone mm -hmm. and, and learned to trade, but continued to continue to learn, continue mm -hmm. to read and study on their own. And, and I think, you know, I think through, you know, founding fathers or even people of that time, not necessarily the most... Um, those of the most notoriety, mm -hmm. but just people from that time, how well learned people were um, at even a young age. You know, I think about, you know, in my early 20s, what I thought I knew versus what I really <laughs> knew um, compared to, you know, pre-industrial revolution, what people really knew and how they studied in the different languages that they spoke and the, yes. the sense of um, scientific knowledge that they had. It was, it, you know, there was really kind of this renaissance mentality where there were many skill sets that were important just for life mm -hmm. and we're so far removed from that now but we think we know so much more True. You know, it's, it's it's just a pretty interesting time but i want to get back to you know you mentioned something um as we have you know a few minutes left here if we can dig kind of into one thing you said as we you, you talked about a literal interpretation of scripture specifically mm -hmm. the account of creation so one thing i reference back to often in in the 700s Somewhere in there, um, there were a group of uh, religious men and philosophers and scientists and mathematicians that came together, both of Jewish and Muslim descent, um, and they crafted a logical argument that's called the Kalam cosmological argument. And so it just follows kind of the logical, mathematical structure of logic, and it says, um, again, loosely translated, but I'll do my best to remember off the cuff here, um, that all things 
that began to exist were created. Mm -hmm. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe was created. And so it's this logical argument that has really stood the test of time. Um, The interesting thing is, you know, we would hear that argument and we would look through the lens of Scripture and say, yes, of course, that makes sense. Uh, The idea of creation, the the term creation, has since been... um, you're so ostracized when you when you mention that term in scientific circles or academic circles mm-hmm. that it that it grew um, to a phrase of intelligent design, right? Mm-hmm. Because creation um, identifies a creator, which automatically people think God. But if you say intelligent design, maybe it softens that blow a little <laughs> bit, and the intelligent designer doesn't necessarily have to be God. Maybe it's an mm-hmm. alien life force or something like that. Um, but Talk in, in the last few minutes we have, because this is a topic I think that many, many people consider um, and would, would want maybe some reference material or even just some talking points when we think about a literal interpretation of Scripture. And we understand that there's portions of Scripture that, that are not meant to be taken literal. There's yeah. things, dogmatic themes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously narratives and stories mm-hmm. to help us understand a, a larger truth. But when we talk about the account of creation, you said, you know, God created in six days. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you mean 24-hour period, so six 24-hour days, uh, and he rested on the seventh. Um, that would be kind of a slap in the face to someone who has never really considered looking through, looking at life through the lens of Scripture. But how do you have that conversation today, right? So let's go to your classroom. Let's go to a parent-teacher conference, or let's go to the student that stays after class and says, wait a second, I don't really get this. Maybe this is the first time I'm hearing it, or I have kind of know that people believe that, but you're, you're talking about it like you really believe it. How do you have that conversation today, you know, that, they're, that, it's, that it might be scientifically acceptable mm-hmm. to consider a literal interpretation of the account of creation? Well, a couple of things you do here, and first of all, it needs to be student-led on those questions. What I found over the years, if I push it, then the kids, the students who don't like it may go run into the principal or to their parents, and then, then they get mad. Mm. But if the students bring it up, and I'll, per, and I'll, I'll directly say, okay, you're asking me, Right. So you're asking this question. Right. So I'm letting everyone know that you're asking me. I'm not pushing this. Mm-hmm. Then I would go into saying things like the evolution of man is a theory. Right. And we, we talk about how do we test theories, the hypothesis. Can we test it? No, we can't. Then, then of course, there's always a bright person in class. Well, how, how do we test the scriptures? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, like I started the session with, the Bible has not ever been proven wrong. Hmm. Oh, that we, all scientists, man, there's been a lot of scientists trying to prove the Bible wrong and can't. Mm-hmm. So I said, we have that going right now, right? We can't prove it wrong. But we can prove some things of evolution Missing, there's missing things. And, and, implausible. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's so. So we, we we can we can get into a little bit of things like this, so that the students understanding. Okay, so because I'm making a case for the for the scriptures, mm-hmm. and I says plus we only have 
the 6,000 years of documented history. Mm -hmm. The Bible gives us those 6,000 years of documented history. Mm -hmm. So we know that for sure. Now, is there any chance that the earth was here longer? And, and I brought this up to you the other day because as you biblical scholar and you said <laughs> I don't know about scholar but I own a bible I says you know so God created Adam and Eve they were in the garden right now the question is is how long were they in the garden before they sinned yeah i mean what we what we know is we have the age of Adam right exactly um, and we would interpret that as if we're interpreting literal 24 hour periods in the account of creation I would assume that we would interpret those as literal years as we experience today. So that's what we have, and I think you're right that we have those kind of 6,000 years presented to us mm -hmm. in Scripture. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of theories, whether it's, you know, it involves a deity, theistic evolution, God kind of got the ingredients together and stirred them up and let's see what happens. Uh, the day-age theory, where every day represents a larger period of time, and that's how maybe you can fit some of the you know, radiometric and carbon dating into, you know, millions of years might fit into the creation account if you do it that way. There's the gap theory, that there's a gap between the creation account and perfection yeah. of, of the Garden of Eden. Uh, and then there's this gap of time where, um, you know, Adam and Eve sin, and that represents a larger period of time, and so on and so forth. So uh, to me, it feels like you're trying to fit uh, a theory uh, evolutionary theory into the framework of scripture and uh, it's, it, like, it, it's it, like square peg round hole yes is what it feels like when I when I hear all those things now I, I I do make this statement and it gets a lot of people's attention I do believe in the big bang okay this is like the old school t-shirt God said it God said it bang, and it bang happened. it happened and right. we know that our universe is expanding. That means his word is still going. Right. It hadn't stopped. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that um, I think that we should pursue that discussion, those those two things in our next session, right? So okay. the the idea of the Big Bang, yes. right? What that means scientifically, what the Big Bang is claimed to mean, mm -hmm. um, evidence that's presented for it, and then what we as Christians would say. Because, um, you know, it's, it's fun to say God said it and bang, it happened. But, but how do you have that conversation? Like, what's the real-world application yes. of knowing that theory, knowing what you believe? I would say this, that um, those who don't believe that Scripture is truth still have a faith, right? Yes. Even, if it's, even if it's atheism, right, they still have a faith in something started all of this, right? Yes. So I don't think that maybe we're so far apart at least in the origin, right? As we yeah. think about whatever the singularity was, for lack of a better term, uh, that started things out. So it would be an interesting discussion. Um, I'd like to dive into that maybe in our next session. You know, what does it mean to have that conversation? Obviously, through the lens of Scripture, how are we going to have that conversation with a world that's been taught that as truth, not theory, mm -hmm. um, and that would look at us kind of as fanatics for believing some obscure thought that there's a God that started everything. Um, so I think that's a good spot for us to um, end the conversation in terms of kind of the academic intellectual pursuit, but I'm, I'm sure you have a thought to share for us as we wrap things up. Well, 
I, I really want you know people to understand that as Christians believe in the Bible that it's accurate to hundred percent you have to have that as your as your truth mm. and that has to be your lens to look at this world and if you don't have that but you say you're a Christian or you say you believe in God I would just encourage you to go back to the scriptures to say why don't I trust this Bible 100% mm. because when when we come to the Lord when we say Jesus I want you to be my Lord and Savior I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins I'm wanting to be a follower of Christ that means I have to have a biblical worldview mm. versus the human I have to old things have passed away behold all things now become new mm. so I, I would uh, leave people with that thought yeah good encouragement that you know if you find yourself doubting dig yes right study research uh, and that's one of the things i do in class all the time with the, with our students i'm teaching them how to research right if it says dot com skip it right <laughs> seriously it has to be dot gov dot edu dot org those are the ones you go to because that's where scientists will put their their research at which one is wikipedia Unfortunately, Wikipedia is .org, and it has been taken over. So, so we also put that <laughs> caveat that in too? there. Okay. Uh, no wiki, sorry. Right. Uh, it may be good, but tomorrow somebody may Could get on there and change right? it. And, yeah. Because you have to know how it works. And right. Yeah. All right. Well, a good good thought to leave with is encourage folks that have that desire or even the question. Um, you know, am I seeing everything through the lens of Scripture? Do I do I trust that Scripture is truth? That it's it's a you know a love letter that God's written to us. It's a map uh, for us to follow. Um, if you doubt that, dig. Yes. All right. Thanks, Gary. You bet. <laughs>